This episode is brought to you by Peak, the blockchain for real-world applications and home of DPIN. If you think it's time for Web3 to get real, check out their website at peak.network. That's P-E-A-Q.network. All right. Hello, everyone. Daniel from DPIN Hub over here. And today we are with EO from Future Money Group, an investor focused on the future of work and super bullish on DPIN. Hi, yo, thanks so much for joining our podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. It's always really good to talk to deployers, investors, founders of different projects, and everybody has their own angle, their own experience, and things that they actually can bring to the space. So I'm super happy to, to have you here and pick your brain on your future, on your ideas, and the things that you're excited about the Deacon space. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for having me. So get started. Can you talk a bit about yourself or your background? Yeah, for sure. I'll just start with some hashtags about me. So... I'm very international type of person, and I lived in multiple parts of the world. I lived in Singapore, in New York, Beijing, and San Francisco. I started business in Beijing and the United States and Indonesia. So I would consider myself sort of like international and digital nomadic. And as for the training and previous experience, I was trained more as an engineer. So in my college, right? And I and I I decided, you know, I like business and uh, finance. So later on, I changed my major to finance, real estate finance, and I went to Columbia University. And after I graduate, I just joined my professor's hedge fund and I work as a distressed investor. So we basically buy out these distressed real estate by purchasing their bonds and flip on the real estate. Uh, so that is how basically I started my investment career. And after that, I went back to Beijing and I started a fintech startup. And we ended up serving over 5 million people in both China and in, 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 in Indonesia. For the underbanked people, we provided them tutorials about how to uh, apply for a credit card, how do they get their loan credit, you know, so and so forth, and running a profit uh, out of that. And after running a multinational uh, business, we start to realize it's not easy for people to transfer money cheaper and easier. And we thought Bitcoin network might be a good tooling for that. So me and my team, we jumped into the crypto space in 2016. So we joined, we witnessed and joined the entire crypto cycle, all the bubble ups and downs. And finally, here we are today. And we, we call ourselves Future Money Group, an investment firm and a venture studio focused in the latest ideas in Web3. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a pretty interesting background. I do find people that travel and live in different countries very interesting to talk to usually, right? Like different experiences, go, living, for example, living in China, living in the US, Indonesia, different countries. I myself, I live, I think as well, like, I don't know, Finland, Italy, Australia, Germany, Portugal, US, Brazil. It's, it's the same thing, right? Like the, every time you travel, you get to know other people. And I also have like a, an engineering background, but I stay more in the background of engineering, but I'm more and more getting very interesting about the finance world as well. Like understanding, I guess that's what happens to crypto, right? So like you, you start as an engineer and then you like how the money works, how the flow of, of money works in, in the world. And that's super, super interesting. Maybe you can talk about a little bit more about the feature money group, how we got started. I know you guys, like I mentioned before, are very focused on DP or in the future of work and this kind of like an investment profile. How did you get started since you like uh, went from university to, to Indonesia and other places? And how did it get to exist? The idea of Future Money Group is that we sort of like, you know, me and my co-founders were early believers of Bitcoin and maybe some other type of money will eventually emerge as a way to allocate resource for the economy. And we think 
the name itself is something like idealistic for us. And I think we're like, it's a journey for us to search for the future form of money. And it's sort of like sci-fi kind of like theme for us. We started out not really as a, as an investment firm. We started out as a venture studio and we, we always wanted to build things. And this is sort of shaping and forming the way that we invest in different companies because we tend to like think in the shoes of, of real builders and, and entrepreneurs. So back in 2017, we found the biggest problem to the crypto space is perhaps we lack a stable coin and, and we lack like, you know, more scalability in the space. So we heavily invest in alt layer ones and also some other stablecoin projects. And later on, when it moves to 2020, we feel like, you know, maybe we need more creators. We need more people who can like generate contents for, for the crypto space, because right, right now it's over financialized. Right. And we begin to pay attention to like, what kind of content can we can really put into the crypto space? So one type of content is more like NFT art, artsy content. The other one is more like real world applications that really solve, you know, real world problems. And we begin to pay attention to Helium. We joined the community. We started to deploy some of the hardware, some of the devices. And we begin to think, you know, this is a quite interesting project. And after we learned more about Helium, we got into the community. We found there's an emerging class of people that we call the future workers. They're not like DeFi farmers. They're not like NFT DGENs. They're like you know, a bunch of people who never got access to DeFi, who don't know, who don't understand, you know, what's, what's going on about the decentralization technology itself, but rather they pay a lot of attention to how can they, you know, make money out of the crypto network. And we call this type of people, the future workers. They look very similar to, you know, the scholars in Axie Infinity, who like people in the Philippines, they play games and they can make a, re uh, make a reward. I think the highest is like $3,000 a month for some people. And I begin to realize that in actually in Deepin, there's a, like a bunch of like people, we call them the future workers. They are running a profit by deploying hardwares for the crypto network, by, you know, maintaining these hardwares, maintaining the network, they can run a profit out of it. And we find this is a very interesting group of people that is, you know, overlooked by a lot of big funds and big, bigger brands. So we began to grow our interest in this area and we decided to, you know, shift our focus from DeFi, from NFT to this new emerging working class. We call them the future of work, the future workers. Yeah, I do agree that I like why you said like the max people are making is $3,000, which for a lot of countries, that's a lot of money. And for places like the US, for example, that's not a lot of money for the cost of living, but it can be some extra, right? I think what I like to say is that like, I believe that DeepIn is going to be the gateway drug to Web3 is when you get, let's say, millions and millions of people into crypto, not everybody is going to be making, you know, Lambos every month, but also not going to have probably, hopefully less rug pulls as well in a way that the, the assets or the, the money can be distributed in a more fair way. And I think that DeepIn is the perfect ecosystem for that, right? People are actually building value, value that almost everyone can understand. You can explain deep into your grandmother or your mom more easily than you can understand DeFi lending to her, right? So I think that's a, that's amazing that you guys are really focused on that because I mean, if I was an investor, I would definitely focus on this investment profile as well. You mentioned that you also like live in Beijing, in the US, and other parts of the world. How do you, from your own eyes, how do you see this deep in ecosystem, let's say, growing based on the North America? as the Canada and, and the US, Europe and Asia, because those are three very different 
let's say markets, different mindsets of uh, work-life balance, etc. They're very different, right? How do you see those three parts of the world growing? I love the question. I think it only takes a lot of real life experience to really understand the importance of DPN. If you live in more than three countries, especially three different continents, different, totally different cultures, you understand that, you know, we're living in a very special period of time in the history. The geopolitical tension will actually escalate the need for us to, you know, allocate important productive resources and orchestrate them to provide certain goods and service. It sounds very abstract, but let's take, you know, take a look at the GPU market, right? Because the growing need for AI requires a lot of computing power and a lot of GPUs. But actually, these are strategic resources to a lot of governments and, 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 and countries. So if you're doing a business maybe in China or if you're doing business in Latin America, you're creating a building an AI project, maybe in the future, your competence will come from your computing power instead of your algorithm. And how do you access that computing power when you grow your business? That becomes, you know, really, really, you know, hard problem for a lot of founders. So providing a decentralized computing power network becomes essential to a lot of people. So I think these kind of use cases will, will grow, will only like become more and more significant in the future. If you only live in one country, you'll never notice the importance. And when it comes to the difference or nuances between different uh, cultures and uh, countries, I would say in North America, we saw more innovations. People like to come up with greater ideas. Why? Because I think here is people are more, you know, just like risk-taking and they love to think out of the box. And for Asia, I think we're better, we're stronger in supply chain, we're stronger in manufacturing. So we just take advantage of the both. We talk to the founders in North America, we invest in some of their startups, but we also at the same time, we invest in two other hardware manufacturers who keep supplying these hardwares for dipping projects. We think this is a, like a great way to, in the, in the anti-globalization kind of era, we're kind of like, you know, re putting everything together and uh, trying to connecting uh, the East and West playing the role of the revolving door. Uh, and I think that's that's really what we're doing right now. And I think yeah. that's just fun. There is a very interesting book that I read from Chris Miller called The Cheap Wars, which yeah. basically talk about, you know, the, the silicon that most of the chips are made in the, the whole world. I think it was like 75%, 80% are made in Taiwan. And Taiwan is like this very strategic place that they're creating the chips. But anyway, so then that ties up with the decentralized GPU, right? This, there's, there's a lot of tension happening right now in the world, I'd say, between the power of processing for AI. There are some great projects related to this. For example, IO.net or Nosana or like Render Networks. Funny that the three of them are running on Solana now, but there are very interesting projects that are running this angle of decentralized infrastructure for GPU processing. And I, I like your take that it's, it's quite hard to understand the world if you don't actually live outside of the country they were born, right? So good advice for everyone out there. If you, if you have the opportunity to get out of your comfort zone and live in a different country, live in a language that is not your mother tongue. Personally, I think everybody gets to learn a lot about the world doing these things, right? Which end up helping, I guess, with crypto as well. If you want to build like a deep in project, because you need to understand a lot of cultural aspects, especially on deep in that you actually have to interact with hardware. It's not just like a smart contract and a DeFi protocol. You're actually dealing with real people. You're dealing with manufacturing in Asia. You are selling to Americans, you're selling to Germans. It's a very different market, right? And on the Web3 than just doing DeFi, for example. On, we can, we're like starting, hopefully, 
a bull market or like at least more excitement in the market. I don't want to, you know, say that we're going to bull market or bear market or anything because I can't see the future. But what are you most excited, let's say, for the next two years, like 24, 25 in the crypto environment? Yeah, for me, you know, this is a question I keep asking uh, myself and also my team. I think one of the most exciting thing is um, the picture of the future of work that is coming to play for us. We tend to think that, you know, right now it's, it's, it's a time for the decentralization movement to take place in workplace. And people tend to work for DAOs and the crypto networks protocols instead of corporates. And the people tend to collaborate regardless of their uh, race, their uh, identity, uh, their nationality. Uh, they contribute to the same uh, crypto network, decentralized network. We tend to think that is going to happen in the coming three to five years. And a lot of new types of goods and services will be created out of this movement. That is for sure, number one. And number two is, I think the role of investor and the VC will eventually change in the rise of the future of work, because in that sense, it's more important for a project or for a founder to really think about how do you reward these workers? How do you engage, keep engaging these people uh, in the network rather than uh, pampering the big brands, VCs, investors? That is the game. That is all type of game for the crypto. And I think this is problematic. So we only, we only can solve this problem by really think the workers or the participants in the network as number one stakeholder. They're the first class citizens of this network. Can we solve the problem of the current investor and the founder and speculator kind of like dilemma for, for mm -hmm. the entire industry? And I think that's, that's very exciting. I, I want to see that happen. Maybe in the future, we will transform our entity, our, our company into something like a DAO or something that, you know, we ourselves are deployers of workers. We're, we're not investors, you know, it doesn't take a full-time investor to, to, to really, to participate in the, in the, in the crypto network. I think this is transitory and the future will all end up being workers or contributors or participants of certain crypto network. That is exciting to me. Yeah. And the third thing is, I think as for the deeping, the deeping theme, I like it. I like the name Deeping. It's, it's very short, very neat. That sounds very catchy. Uh, but really one thing I'm, I'm really paying a lot of attention to is the real decentralization of Ethereum nodes. So I know that in the future, we're probably going to see Ethereum nodes. The light nodes are going to be able to run in really smaller smart devices like your smartwatch or maybe any other, like, you know, maybe your lamp, maybe something in, in your life. So that can really you know, help us to build a totally decentralized physical layer for the Web3 world computer. So this is real the time we can, you know, perhaps we can front run Amazon, we can probably, you know, dump all the Amazon and Google Cloud type of centralized physical layer. We can really build a decentralized uh, physical layer for the computers. And I think that is uh, something that interests me in the very, very long run. Pick is a layer one blockchain designed to power deepens. Why do Deepins choose to build on Peak? It's fast, scalable, low-cost offer builders are ready to deploy Deepin SDK and it's multi-chain. So when you build on Peak, you're building for all Web3. Peak is home for the fastest growing Deepin projects with more than 100,000 vehicles and devices deployed, over a dozen Deepins already building and the world-leading device manufacturers such as Boss partner with them. Think of building a Deepin. Peak has a grand program for Deepin builders. If you're listening to this, remember you're early. The Peak Network will launch in the first half of 2024. Check out Peak's channels for more details and links in the podcast description. Yeah, I, I, I really like that take of like having like Ethereum node on your watch. 
Because that, that's more or less, I think, the future, right? Like the things are going to get like easier to process, going to be more decentralized. Like maybe your watch is going to only be taking care of a small portion of the network, but the network together, it works seamlessly to build the, to have the Ethereum running. And yes. I think that reminds me a lot. One thing that I found super amazing, didn't really work as, as expected, but the dream was, was really, really touching is when Helium started, they had this idea that each hotspot was going to be a full node of the whole layer one that they were building. And, and I thought that, man, this is insane. Like every device can have the whole ledger or part of the ledger processing everything. And it was amazing. It actually worked for a little bit, right? But then, of course, the network grew us much faster than they could ever imagine. And they had to change it. But the idea that, yeah, they did like have a million, you know, like validators in the network. It's insane. And that goes with the idea of like a, of the watch and goes as, as well with the composability, right? Because I think to be able to have a lot of those projects running in this mass scale, you're going to rely on other crypto projects. For example, if you're sending data, stream, you can just use streamer. If you're processing some sort of like images, you can use like render or uh, like Ionet or something. So composability, I think it's going to be really, really cool. The more and more projects working with other projects, it's just going to go the whole ecosystem stronger, right? But then... One thing that I'd like to touch a little bit is the fundraising in the crypto web three world. As an investor, what we've seen is that in the past, a lot of projects, when they've done a fundraising for tokens, for example, a big chunk of the tokens are allocated only for the investors. They can have a negative long-term play on the, the project itself, right? So I'd yeah. like to understand what do you believe is the right way to do it if you're doing fundraising through tokens? It's a billion dollar question. But first of all, I don't think tokens are company stocks. They're not like equities or anything, especially given the upcoming regulation framework. You can never like make them into stocks. They don't pay dividends, right? You're not allowed to pay dividends. So in this way, every time we try to put the token analogy to stocks, so that's why we always favor the investors, the VCs, because they're shareholders, right? But shareholders are not token holders. I don't think they're necessarily token holders because the tokens are just like more like a commodity to the network. It's something that you pay the network if you want to utilize it. If you want to deploy some contract or deploy some hardware, you need to pay uh, the token to the network. This is more of a utility. So I think we should probably uh, partition these two different type of assets. That's number one. How do you create a fair launch? I think it's becoming more and more intriguing and a question for a lot of people. Uh, if you pay attention to the uh, inscription in the Bitcoin uh, ecosystem, why it became so popular is because of the fair launch. So that a lot of people, a lot of retail users and investors, they can participate in the game. It's not just like for the VCs. And also that's the number two, my point. And lastly, I think I can relate this back to my thesis of the future of work. I think eventually we need to benefit the workers or the deployers or the, the miners or whatever call it, right? We need to favor them. They are the number one stakeholders. They're the, they're the most important people in the network. So we always build consensus among them. You can, you can only seek credentials from big brand VC, but you can never build a consensus by having the VCs backing you up. That's, that's still very different. Bitcoin doesn't have a VC. Ethereum, yes, they have a very humble VC race to build their consensus by like building a real community around it. I think that's eventually the way that founders need to 
need to realize this is the right way to do things. So eventually, I think yes, VCs are helpful, right? Like go out, go go to VCs for money, for more advice, for probably some connection resources. This could be extremely helpful, especially in the days of a real capitalized world. But it's not the solution to decentralized networks in the future. I don't think it's the it's the only answer. Yeah, I guess yeah. I just gotta I guess be careful if you're doing. Very strong token allocation for VCs. You just don't want them to dump all the tokens after two years, and then your project gets destroyed just because they run some profit, right? But definitely, VCs are super, super important in the space, and especially on this risky startup world that we are living in right now, they're very, very helpful, right? To go VC. There's one good thing about VC. Like think it in this way. So uh, when dipping was not really a word yet, it was not really a buzzword yet. We, for example, we. Jumped into the space, right? We we jumped into this community, and we were like, it was called tipping. It was called tipping edge five dy, other, yeah, d uh, dy, any any other like sort of buzzword or acronyms. We jumped into this space, and we we decided, okay, we're gonna back projects like this. So I think this is the good thing for VC. We're like, when nobody's here yet, when nobody just really realized the potential of some sector, okay, we're there. We are going to back the new things. But most of the VCs, I think, they are just like chasing after big names, bigger rounds, party rounds. That's a totally different game. That's some some game I don't want to play. Yeah. Do you think uh, Web three is changing that? Because maybe this is falling other VCs is more like a Web two kind of investment profile. I think Web three is going to eventually change part of that because we see a lot more individuals becoming angel investors. We see a lot of People like you, people who, who know how to build, either build a product or build a brand, build an audience, they became investors themselves. I think this is only getting greater. This kind of movement is only getting greater. I think Web3 will eventually change that. Every single one can become an investor and a contributor to, to something that you truly believe in. The only like VCs or the only investor, the true big brands, VCs, are the ones who can really deal with risk and uh, liquidity at some level that you know normal people cannot deal with. This is the value that you know financial institutions really provides to the society. Otherwise, everybody else, I think they can be investors. They can be VCs. Yeah, I think especially with the ease of moving money around crypto, makes it much easier for invest. I could be wrong, but I think if you want to be official, let's say investor in the US, you need to have a certain amount of assets and they're more complicated. You need to have some sort of credentials, right? That limits a lot of people for being angel investors, for example. Do you see this year, 2024, being a little bit better than last year in terms of fundraising? I think it's going to be greater. I do believe so, because I think a lot of funds, they have a lot of dry powder and the market is picking up. So I think it will be a better time to fundraise. Yes, if you're uh, planning fundraise, I think it's it's great time to to do it this year, and also, but I still think there there's gonna take some time for the for the market to fully recover, because I think a lot of fundamental innovations are still not there yet. It still takes some time. Always, always takes time. The speed of creating something truly innovative, truly substantial. That sort of speed is linear. However, the speed of capital compounding, that's non-linear. So always, yeah. I think it will take more time. And then as an investor, what are the specific things that you're most excited about the future of crypto and deeping? 
I think for deeping, deeping is very, very, and very much in parallel to the idea of the network state. I think because I just talk about decentralized computing power, but there are more aspects. For example, decentralized wireless service. Right, this is something that everybody needs. I went to Stanford. I went to Palo Alto. They still have blackouts in 2023 summer. That's crazy,、yeah. right? In the in the first world country, in the most in the richest part of the country,、uh, you still have blackouts. So the electricity, you know, wireless service, all this kind of like civil infrastructures, they need to be better. They need to be more decentralized, and they need to serve people in different parts of the world, of the physical world. So if that is happening in Palo Alto. So this must be taking place in Africa, in other parts of the world, right? So we need more deeping projects to go to different parts of the world to really go to somewhere we never lived before. We never imagined. Okay, this could be a problem. Places like this, this is really exciting. So this is going to build the foundation of the network state in the future. I think that is something I think deeping can do. And also for the crypto itself, I think we need to get out of the. Vicious cycle of speculation. Only we need to turn to the page of value creation, value accrual. I think this is what deeping is all about, right? Because all the revenue, supposedly these revenue come from real world consumers, the real demands instead of financial speculation. I mean, even DeFi, a lot of revenue of DeFi comes from speculation. If without speculation, there would not never be revenue for DeFi. But deeping could be different. So I think. Deeping will probably create a sector that is less correlated to the speculation and financial volatility of crypto market. This is something really exciting. So yeah, yeah I think they are just interesting. Yeah, let's not even start on the meme coins. I'm talking about speculation. Are you bullish about? I can't say, but I have something that like I've been playing around with something called circles. But anyway, it's like little gambling. I don't think there's a lot of a lot of, a lot of value. I'm so I'm way more excited about focusing on. Learning more about deeping projects and helping them because they are really value on them and yeah, meme coins are like you know bonk and then there's there's so many out there but it's just like you know, that's I I count it almost like a gambling thing but it's it's just for fun. Let's say I, I'm a founder I'm an, I want to fundraise on deeping. What kind of advice would you give to new founders coming to this space? That's something that I think most founders they have different. They have different edges, and the people. Some people are better with community. Some people are better with building a brand. I think essentially、um, you need to be really considerate about designing your tokenomics, something that really attract people to participate in your network and try to make them stay. You don't want to like people just like flooding your network and farm some crypto and leave. You don't want that to happen, right? You want to keep them. You want them to stay. You want them to deploy hardwares or any other resources in the network, farm the token and stake the token, and keep doing that. Keep asking more people to join. You always want to design something that it's a positive feedback loop. So I think that's number one issue when we talk to founders, when we talk to deeping founders. Forget about the VCs first. Think about how do you engage users, workers, the deployers. That's always something I, I always ask them. If a deployer or a worker is disappointed by your network, or maybe he or she is rug pulled by your project, you'll never succeed. Yes, yeah. Let's not talk about like Paul and you know the projects like that, <laughs> right? Okay, I heard I heard that you guys are working very closely with Iotex on a deeping accelerator, right? Could you talk about that, or it's a bit too early? We can talk about that. It's not that early. It's early, but 
It's good for me to talk about it now. It's called Deeping the Surf. It's a very catchy and chilling name. We want to work with IOTEX to build this accelerator because number one, we think IOTEX is a great set of technologies that can help you launch your deeping project just one click. It's a very interesting layer one for building deeping, and I think they have a fantastic team. And number two is that we want to focus on use cases in deeping. We don't want to fund or we don't want to see more infras, middle layers, you know, anything like that in Deepin, because I think Deepin itself is really about applications. So go for application, go for different use cases, surprise us, right? There are over 50 applications we have already received and uh, they come in different use cases, energy, cars, even consumer restaurants, you know, anything that you never heard before in the crypto space. So we're really thrilled about the upcoming accelerator program. And as for the time-wise, it will kick off in February. And the accelerator is full, is purely virtual, but we do have a physical in real person event, which is going to, which is going to happen in, I think in Denver. Yeah. So yeah, just stay tuned and follow our Twitter account, deeping.surf. That's awesome. So yeah, it's uh, deeping.surf, the, the accelerator program. I'm going to check it out as well. Don't forget. I'm going to link the links. I'm going to add all the links in the description of the podcast. So make sure to check there. Is there anything else that you'd like to talk to our listeners on the podcast, the final remarks? I think I want to hear more from the audience about what's your take on Deeping and what do you think are the use cases that we have just overlooked, right? Because I think it's a trial and error uh, journey. It's like Web2, it's like mobile internet. The technology works for some sector, but doesn't for the others. So we got to try it no matter how, right? So we need more domain experts. We need more people who have previous experience in certain sector or certain industry that can really give us inspiration. It's a time for creation. There's no right or wrong. It's not like, it's not like building rocket or it's not building like Ethereum layer two type of like, it doesn't take a PhD degree, obviously. Yeah. Just be creative and hope to hear from you. Yeah, we're in the forefront of technology and exploration, let's say. Where can people know more about you or Future Mining Group? You can follow our Twitter account, it's Future Money Group, and the website is futuremoneyfmgroup.xyz. And I have my Twitter, my personal Twitter is uh, Codeboy Made in the Future. And you can always find, if you find Daniel, you'll find me. Yeah, I'll also add to the description of the podcast. Well, thanks so much, Neil, for your time. It's always a pleasure to meet you. Hopefully, we're going to see each other in Denver. If I don't, at least Max, my co founder, is going to be there. And yeah. everyone for the podcast, thanks so much for listening. We are building these things for you and for the future of Deepin. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check deepinhub.io, hotspotted.net, and hotspotted on Twitter. Thanks so much for your time and see you next week. Have a good one.